This is the Adventure Church Podcast. We are so happy you're here. Today we are celebrating Labor Day weekend with a message from Pastor CJ called Stop the Madness. We all need a rest from the daily grind. Jesus knew this. That's why he invites us to come to him for our much needed rest. Are you ready to receive the benefits of his rest? We hope you enjoy this message. But how many of you know that sometimes uh, we need to stop the madness in our lives? Amen. Uh, the madness that can drain us and so on and so forth. I know for me that the madness in my life got to be so mad that, uh, that I got burnt out. And I got burnt out three years ago, severely burnt out. And because I thought that the madness, and I want you to get this now. I want you to hear this today. I thought the madness of the things that I was doing was so important. And sometimes just because we're going through the madness of life, we equate the madness or the busyness of life with being important. I must be important. I must be somebody special. I must be somebody that's really needed. And I, I did that. I, I was one that got so caught up with the busyness of life in our previous church that we were at. We had four major building programs. In the last building program that I was in, it literally burnt me out. And how many of you know when you are burnt out, you have nothing left to give? That you have nothing left to get. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, uh, we used to take stick matches and we'd strike them and obviously light them. And then what we do is we let them burn halfway down. Then we lick our fingers and grab the tip of the of the, of the match and then we let it burn out until the end. How many of you ever done that before? Come on, be honest, you bunch of sinners, amen. And uh, so what we do is we would burn out the match until it hit the end, right? And then what we try to do is then what we take a lighter and then what we try to do is light that match again and guess what it had no substance it had nothing there to light because it was all burnt up or burnt out and a lot of times what happens in life that's what we're like we're walking around burnt out with nothing to give and because we have nothing to give what happens then is we become grumpy mad and sad and even mad at the world and mad at each other and what happens when you have nothing to give what you're doing you're in survival mode and when you're in survival mode what you're doing, you're protecting that what you do have or that little that you do have. And therefore, when you protect, you're like a dog with a thorn in his foot. Now you're starting to growl instead of let people pet you. And so God created or mankind created Labor Day. And if you have your notes, on February 21st, 1887, Oregon passed the first bill to become lawmaking Labor Day an official holiday. How many know that's pretty cool, amen? Oregon, a liberal state, is the one that really started Labor Day in, our, in the U.S., that they are the one that really first uh, uh, made it an official holiday. In Jan uh, June 28, 1894, USA Congress passed an act making the first Monday in September of each year a legal holiday. Amen? So let me ask you a question. I need some participation. When you think of Labor Day, I need you to yell it out. What does Labor Day mean to some of you? The cabin's full of people, amen, 36. What, else, what does Labor Day mean to you? Come on, what does Labor Day mean to you? Food, amen, amen. Anybody else, what does Labor Day mean to you? 
Day, there, that's the one that looks. Day before school, mom is happy, dad is glad because mom's happy. Whether you got a happy wife, you got a happy life, man, the kids are back in school, amen. But you know, you think about food, you think about family, you think about maybe traveling, you think about these different things. And a lot of times, what do you mean is that everything that we encompass Labor Day to be is where it's supposed to be a day of rest, a day of taking off. We compile so much, we, we put so much into that weekend that actually we can't wait till Tuesday to come. I mean, you know what I'm talking about because we get so busy. And Labor Day is supposed to be a day of rest. In July, I did this one again for Beck. In July 23rd, 1894, the Canadian government uh, exacted legislation making Labor Day the first Monday of September of a national holiday. So how many know that Canadian people got smart too? Amen. Praise hallelujah. Amen. Oh, Canada. But you know what? We think that Labor Day existed by Oregon making it the first day and then the United States making it the first day of 1894. But actually Labor Day or Sabbath Day was originated by God. Because God knew the need that man would either burn out or wear out, and so he made a need or set an example for you and I to follow. How many of you learned a lot of things by example? I learned to shave by an example. I watched someone shave, and I watched the Thalor boys shave, and then one, guess what I did? I went home and shaved that one little hair that would grow right here. How many are like me? You get that one hair that sticks out like that, amen? And then you take your razor, and you feel like a man. There it is. It's gone. Whoop, there it is. Whoop. There it is. And I get that one little hair, but right? And I felt like a man. I put a little aftershave lotion on there. My face burned. I thought, what's going on? But I felt like a man. But I learned from an example. And Jesus, who's the ultimate example, laid out an example that we should follow in his footsteps. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 1, follow me as I follow Christ. So in other words, Paul says, listen, don't follow me if I'm not following Christ. Let me lead you in the ways of the Lord. Let me give you or show you an example how to be a follower for Christ. But if I'm not living the life for Christ, don't follow me. Don't follow me. But Jesus laid out an example. And he says in, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, uh, uh, verse three, he leads and he shows us an example. And many of us leading up to this verse, he talks about doing the seven great things. He, he, he formed the boundaries for the water. He created the heavens and the earth. And he did all these great, marvelous miracles. But how many of you know after a day of work, you're exhausted? Man, what a lot of us guys, we work 9 to 5, and we maybe work 10 hours or whatever else a day. And what is the first thing we want to do when we get in our car? The recliner starts calling our names. Amen? And what we do, we want to plop in our recliner, get the newspaper out, watch the news, and go to bed. Thank you, Jesus. And, you know, because Jesus recognized that when you work, you should be rewarded with your labor. But also, when you work, you should also have a day of rest to take care of that which is yours the bible says that don't you know that you are a temple of god and god's spirit lives in you a temple means somewhere where god can reside in you live in you and have precedence in your life and if you don't take care of your temple god said then he will take care of you god jealously desires that you take care of you because if you take care of you that means that he can live in you and that he can have abundant life through you so God says take care of your temple but he goes on to say then God blessed the seventh day 
You know, the seventh day, man, he created heavens and the earth. He created the last day. He created even Larry. And Larry was teasing me today about my pulpit bumper. Amen. I tell you, it's Labor Day, Larry. It's, it's Labor Day. I can eat right now. So I, I like that. Amen. And so he's teasing me about my pulpit bumper. Look at Larry. It works. Boom. I get whiplash. Amen. But he said, then God blessed the seventh day. Now watch this. And he made it holy. You know, the seventh day is what we look at as our Sabbath day, as a day of worship on Sunday. That we come and we worship God. That we come and we celebrate the resurrected Savior. That's the first and foremost of why we come to church. I come to church not only because to get mine or to receive from the Lord. But you know why I come to church first and foremost? I come to church to worship God. To worship a living Savior. I don't know about you, but Muhammad's dead, Buddha's dead. We serve a living God that we can celebrate and not only celebrate but also worship. And we serve a God that hears us, responds to us, and speaks to us. How many of you know that's a great thing to worship? Amen. I want to come and celebrate God, that God, you are alive. Amen. You are alive in my life. And you're not a dead God, but you're a living God. So that's why we come to God, we come to worship God. But he says, watch this. He said to make it holy. Because on it, he rested. Now get that. He rested. Jesus saw the need to rest. Either you burn out or you wear out if you don't take time for yourself. I learned a long time ago before my burnout, and I lost track, and I'm being honest and transparent with you, I lost track of my way before I got burnt out. Before I got burnt out, we went through many different building programs and did different churches, and we did a lot of different things, but I always had a regiment in my life, and I lost track of this regiment. That's how I got burnt out, and the regiment was that I would always take time for myself. My wife and I always allotted time each day, an hour uh, time for each other. I'd give her an hour because she was raising the kids. So when I get home from work, I'd give my wife a time, uh, an hour just to be on her own, to get her wits about her, demand go do her thing, go shopping, whatever it is, just to get away from the kids. Or she would do that with me. And I would take time throughout my day just to have time for me. How many of you know that you need to rest, all right? And so I would take time to, with me, and she would take time for her. I would go exercise. I'd go work out. I'd go play basketball. I'd read a book. I'd go for a walk. But I would find ways to be able to slow down. And how many of you know sometimes in life we need to find ways to slow down in life? We think that busyness makes us feel important, but busyness actually wears us down and it takes from us instead of puts in us. And so I had to take time out of my busy schedule to make sure that I was taking care of me. But when I lost track, I got so caught up with so many things that I felt were important but actually were burning me out till I got to a point of burnout that I made some wrong choices. And because of my wrong choices, I paid the consequences for my choices. The key is this. God says, listen, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that which he had done. So what God did, he left us an example that we should follow to rest, to rest, to work, rest, and play, milky way, amen, that he left us a way that we should rest, that we should be still and know that he is 
God, that God created. We look at Sabbath day. We look at Labor Day as once a year. But you know what? Sabbath day should be every day with the Lord, that we take time to wait upon the Lord that he can renew your strength. You see, take time to wait on the Lord. The reason why we don't take time to wait upon the Lord is because we become so impatient. Our bodies are so prone to be active on the move, and it's even that way with God. And God says, listen, just be still and know that I'm God. You know, have you ever taken a glass? And let's say, for instance, I'll pick on Larry again today, that Larry has a glass in his hand, and the glass is empty. And he asked me, he said, CJ, can you pour, you got the pitcher of water, can you give me some water when you go out to eat today? Some of you are going to have pictures or, uh, of water on your table, and they're going to ask, hey, can you pour me this glass? Can you refill my glass? Let's think if Larry took his glass, and I'm trying to restore or pour into Larry's glass. But Larry's doing this number. And I'm walking around with a pitcher trying to fill him up. Guess what I'm doing? Every time I try to pour, I'm losing it because it's falling out onto the ground. And the Bible says that when David spoke or when Samuel spoke, not one word fell to the ground because God is not a wasteful God. What God does, he wants you to position yourself to wait on him so that he can pour in you when you're tired, when you're wore out, when you're fatigued, when you're feeling depressed or discouraged or defeated. God wants you to be still and know that he's God. Stop doing this number and let him pour. You see, when you pour out, he pours in. When you pour out, he pours in. And God says, how can I position you to make you stop so I can pour new into you? And see, that's why he says, you can't pour uh, new wine in old wineskins unless you will break. And what happens is a lot of times we are running or trying to have God bless us or touch us or refresh us on old wineskins. But God says, listen, you obtain new wineskins by allowing me to mend and to repair and to restore you by waiting on me. Somebody say amen. And that's what God wants you to do. And he wants us to be still and know that he's God. He said, listen, then he rested from all his work. He rested from all his work. You see, listen, God took a break from the labor or work he did before as a country and made it a holiday. God took a break far before our country made Labor Day a holiday. He took a Sabbath day. He took us, I always say this, when I go to pray, weak when I kneel. Man, there's times that I carry the weight of the church. I carry the vision that God's put on my heart. I carry the prayer requests of the people. Man, all the things that are going on. Man, there's times that, John, you know, Pastor John, you, you know how you feel when you carry that burden. You're a pastor. And, you know, Jack, you're a pastor. and You know, we, we carry these burdens. Weak when I kneel. But you know the cool thing is? Powerful when I rise. When I kneel and say, God, I cast all my cares upon you. God, I want to rest in you. Lord, I know that in my weakness you're made strong. But, God, I know that, God, as I cast my cares upon you, oh, man, they're cumbersome. They're bringing me down. They're making me discouraged. They're heavy, Lord. I can't handle it anymore. But, God, when I kneel, I'm weak. But when I rise, I'm powerful because God restores me. He renews my strength. He said, they that wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like wings as eagles. They shall run and not go weary. They shall walk and not faint. How many ever taken a stress test before you got on a treadmill? Oh, yeah. Look at that. Oh, yeah. Some of you made it a mile. Some of you made it a block. Oh, yeah. What's the point of that? They want to see how your endurance is or how your heart is or whatever else they're checking, right? 
And sometimes that's the same way with God. Some of us can only go a certain distance because we're only half full. We're only half full. We're only at a place where God says, listen, I don't want you to be half empty. I want you to be full. I love this. Listen, Jesus knew the need of man's need to rest from the busyness of life and labor. He knew the need. Now, listen, you know, it's, it's so funny. Um, this week, I, you know, we're, this is our last hurrah. Labor Day is our last hurrah with, with our family. And we do things throughout the summer, and you've probably seen some of it on Facebook. But uh, it's so cool. We uh, took our grandbabies to State Fair. And uh, it's so funny because what happened was is some of my kids, they wanted to intrude on Cheryl and I's time with our grandkids. You know, we said, no way. That ain't happening. Mm-mm. And they said, why? Because I said this, and this is no kidding. I said, because if you go, you're going to play mommy and daddy and put all the rules on them. So they're with me, they're with Cheryl, and we make the rules. <laughs> amen. Somebody say amen. So you know what I did? You know, I have entrusted my kids, five of my grandbabies, eight of, five of the eight. They're entrusted into my hands. Now listen to this. My kids don't give their kids sugar. They don't eat any sugar. So all my kids don't eat sugar. They eat that bubbly, they, they drink that bubbly pop and all that kind of stuff. That's a new fad, amen. You know what fad is for a day? That bubbly will go and it will go, it'll move to Elka Seltzer, amen. But eventually it'll fade out. But so, anyways, they don't give them any sugar. But they're with Papa. So we go to the fair. My wife takes out the coupon book. No kidding. My wife takes out the coupon book. She does this two weeks in advance. I kid you not. I promise you. She takes out the coupon books. She puts them in their section. Oh, we can go to this section. They got corny dogs over here. We can go to this section. They got snow cones over here. We can go to this section. They got pizza over here. Oh, we can go to this section. And they got Martha's sweet cookies over here, right? So guess what I did? They don't eat sugar, right? So I go to Martha's sweet cookies or whatever it's called, and I get one of those big old buckets. How many know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm saying? And I get one of those big bad buckets, and I couldn't find the milk place this time. I must have been at the wrong Martha's, amen? There's four of them now, and I was at the wrong Martha. But anyways, we take our grandkids, and we set them down at this picnic table, and we put the cookies in front of them, and we say, have at it. And before you know it, they look like the Energized Bunny. <laughs> my daughter calls us at 1 o'clock in the morning. What's wrong with my kid? I don't know. What's wrong with them? They won't go to sleep. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and we're just dying because we know we did. Sugar, sugar. Uh-huh, 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 honey, honey, uh-uh, uh-uh. You guys don't know that either. You are my candy girl. Oh, you know it. Look at that there. All right. But you know what? So anyways, here's the cool thing. That God, he is your father. And my grandkids, I'm entrusted to take care of them, even though they can't have sugar. Amen. Once a year. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, even though they can't have sugar, correct? But it's the same way with your God. Doesn't he say that he's your Abba, Father, your Papa, Daddy? How many of us said this thing? Mama knows best. Daddy knows best. And you know what? Most of all, God knows best. And you know one of the things that God knows best about you? If he knows every hair in your head, every need in your life, guess what else he knows about you? That you need to rest. You know what they say that makes a person healthy and makes a person wealthy and wise? Is number one, exercise, diet. But you know the third thing is? Rest. 
that you get a good night's sleep, that you rest. Get one of those sleep number beds. Amen. Your husband's maybe 10 and yours maybe 5. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe he keeps you awake at night. Please lift that bad boy up from his snoring. He'll stop. Amen. But you know the key is, listen, it's getting the rest that you need because you know what? Either you're going to wear out or wear, wear down or burn out. And God said, listen, I created a day of Sabbath for you to come and rest and know that I am God in the midst of your situation. I love this. In Mark chapter 2, verse 27 through 28, it says these words. Then he said to them, now watch this. If he said to them, he's speaking to you. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. How many of you know that's true? I always say, God, give me Mickey Mouse ears. Give me Mickey Mouse ears to hear what you're saying to me today. You see, don't let it go through one ear and out the other because God knows what's best for you. He says, he says the Sabbath was made for man. In other words, the day of rest was made for you. That he had you in mind when he made the day of Sabbath. That he wanted you to stop. Stop the madness of your life. Take a moment and say, man, stop the madness of your life. And when you think about the madness, you know what I always have to do? I have to calculate my day. Seriously. Sarah, I have to go through my day, and I have to ask myself. And when you're busy and when you're being overcome, you have to ask yourself this question. Is what I'm doing really have value to it? Because the enemy will keep you busy like a dog chasing its tail. So you have to ask yourself, does it really have value to it? Why is it? It's the simplest word, and it's one of the easiest words to say, and it's one of the words that only have two letters to it. But it's the hardest word to live out, the word no. Why is it that so many times we are so prone to say yes instead of taking saying no because we don't want to miss out on things? How many know that's true? And so what happens is instead of saying no when we know we shouldn't be doing it, we do it because we want to feel apart. You know, I'm bad, shum on. You know what I'm talking about. And what happens is we get caught up in this mad world with really no substance. Have you ever eaten lemon meringue pie? And, man, if you go to some of these restaurants around here, I don't know what it is about you guys and your cooking. Man, I'll tell you one thing. Man, your hamburgers up here, I don't know, maybe it's the northern air or something. Man, you go to the Fishbowl, you go to the Oak Ridge, you go to all these places that we go four-wheeling at, they got the greatest hamburgers. What is it? You got different kind of beef up here? Uh, where's the beef? Uh, or maybe it's not beef. I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's dog meat. Who knows? I don't know. But, but you know what? We went to a restaurant not too long ago, and I kid you not, they had one. How many of you remember those, those pie crates? They spin around like that bad boy. And they write, They always put it in the prime spot. You know what I'm talking about? And your stomach's going, yeah, that's mine. Mm -hmm. And your tummy's saying, mm, yeah, I'm going to get that. And so I like banana cream pie and lemon meringue pie, right? Well, they had, a, this is no, no kidding, they, no kidding. Monty, they had this lemon meringue pie. This thing must have stood up this high. It looked like the Empire State Building. It was so high. Boom. And so I'm looking at that bad boy, and I'm trying to resist temptation, man. I'm telling resist temptation. God will give you strength to overcome every temptation. Well, God, where were you when I needed to say no? Right? So I get this bad boy. There was so much meringue in that bad boy. It was all fluff. And when I ate it, all it was was air. And all I wanted to do, get down to the lemon, get to the heart of the matter. 
And that's a lot of times what happens in life. We're eating a lot of the meringue instead of the lemon. We're eating a lot of the fluff. And what happens, it's not fulfilling. It's not really having any value in our life. But what it's doing, it's stealing from you, taking from you. What really matters most is God said, just be still. Evaluate your day and take time for me and I will restore that which the enemy has been stealing from you. And a lot of times what happens, he says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even on the Sabbath. That he's Lord. He is risen from the dead. Jesus knew the need for man, need to rest and give him strength and restore him before another week. How I many know it's true? Man, I'll tell you one thing. When I worked at U.S. Bank, and I kid you not, we did collecting, my wife and I, for those two years. It was so funny, I kid you not. When we were collecting, we'd get some people's answering machines, right? And so we can't leave a message, but we have to, can never hang up. So that we'd get some of these messages on the thing. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. God loves you. Thank you for calling, leave a message. Of course, we can't leave a message. So we call them back the next day. And man, here we're thinking, boy, these are Christian believers, man. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And all of a sudden, we finally get him on the line. Jesus on the main line. I wish it was Jesus. And we, we get him on the line. And here it was the day before. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We get him on the line. Say, this is U.S. Bank. We're calling for you for money. Blank, 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 what, 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 what? And I mean to tell you, they were just, boom. They were in a blue streak. And I was like, what in the world happened to yesterday? And you know what? Sometimes what happens when we go out into the world we face people like that. And we face people that cut you, rip you apart, talk about you, gossip about you, share things that aren't true. Man, all these things. And you know what it does? It takes from us. It takes from us. I don't know about you, but I don't like when people talk about me, especially when it's not true. And the first thing we want to do is what? Defend ourselves. So you know what church should be? Church should be a place of safety. That I can come and worship the Lord and people are going to love me for who I am. That are going to accept me for who I am, not talk about me, but pray for me. And that Sabbath day is a day of rest that God can restore and renew you. In Matthew 11, verse 28, I, I love this verse. And it really rings true to me because all through the word of God, Jesus says, draw near to God, which is a point of coming. Draw near to God, and then what? He'll draw near to you, right? You see, cast all your cares upon him, he'll, 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 then he'll care for you. The prodigal son, when he came to the father, the father ran to him. But every part it had to be an action step. It had to be a place of you coming towards God. And once you started coming towards God, then guess what God did? He met you where you're at. But he wanted to see if you're for real. Are you going to come? You see, you can honor him with your lips. But your heart is far from him. And when you're in love with God, you don't care what people think, say, or do about you. You're just going to come. I'm going to get mine. And a lot of times we forfeit the blessings that God has for us because we're unwilling to come. Because we're so afraid about what others might think. Isn't that true? And we're so afraid about, man, what is she going to think? What is he going to think? Man, what are they going to talk about me when I go to work tomorrow? Man, that's my coworker. And so a lot of times we forfeit the refreshing or renewing that God has for us. So he says this, come to me, all who are weary, wow, and burdened, and I will what? Give you rest. You see what Jesus is saying? Jesus is requiring us to come. You see, that's his promise. His promises to you is yes and amen. 
that if you come, I will meet you where you're at. I will meet you, and not only will I meet you, but I will respond to you. I will speak to you, and I will answer you. And that's what God does. But you have to do your part so God can meet you where you're at. You see, listen, that's why he says, if you are ashamed before men of me, he said, then I will be ashamed of you before my Father, which is in heaven. And God says, listen, don't you be ashamed to come. I come to you can have life and life more abundantly. I come to give you rest. I come to give you peace. I come to give you strength. But if you don't come, you forfeit the blessings that I have for you. So he says, I will give you rest. Jesus calls us to come to receive rest and strength in him. That's what Jesus does. His whole purpose in life is not to embarrass you or shame you or put you down or condemn you. Because that's why he says, many of us can quote John 3.16. How many know John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him shall not what? Perish, but have everlasting life. But you know why Jesus says that? Because here's the verse that you sometimes forget. I bet you can't quote this verse. What does verse 17 say? That after he says he loves you, Andy, you know what he says? He says he loves you because he wants to remind you in verse 17, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus said, listen, I didn't come, Jeremiah, to condemn you. I didn't come, Sarah, to condemn you. I didn't come to condemn you. Melissa, I came to love you and to accept you. But you have to come so that I can give you and I can pour into your life. So many times what happens, why we don't come is because we're afraid of what God might see. But after all, God already sees it all. He knows all, hears all, and sees all. So there's nothing that you can hide from God. But when you come, he gives you rest. You see, listen, Jesus calls us to come to receive rest and strength in him. I love Romans 2, 11. This is one of my favorite ones, and I have to remind myself when we have our pity parties. How many know that pastors have pity parties? Amen. We all go through pity parties. You know what's kind of crazy? Uh, maybe you saw this on Facebook, uh, uh, a, fr- a pastor that just committed suicide. Maybe you saw that on our Facebook, my, my, my and Cheryl's Facebook page, and uh, a pastor that committed suicide. And you know why? Sometimes for a pastor, and I'm not saying this to get sympathy from you, but we all go through pity parties. We all go through these things. But in this, in this pastor, he committed suicide. You know why? Because he didn't have an outlet. Because as a pastor, you're always supposed to be up here and not down here. You're always supposed to lead and not be a follower. And so what happened was this young man was caught up with depression, discouragement, and defeat that he took his life. You see, listen, what I have to remind myself, and I want to put this in you today. If there's something I want to deposit in you today that you can make a withdrawal from, is that Jesus says, God does not show favoritism. He doesn't show favoritism. So listen, it doesn't matter who you are, where you came from, or what you've done. God doesn't show favoritism. He just wants you to come. And he's not a respecter of person. He doesn't love me more than he loves you. He loves us all the same. We're on the same playing field. But you have to get in the batter's box and swing. And swing means that I got to get up there, put the bat up, put my shoulders high, have confidence in knowing that I'm going to hit the ball out of the park. That's what it's all about. And when you come, you will find rest. You see, it doesn't matter who you are. He doesn't show favoritism. He wants us all to come to him and rest. You see, so listen, what happens when you rest? And I'm going to close. Go ahead, Jeremiah. What happens when we rest? I want you to get this. 
The Lord gave me this when I wrote this sermon on Wednesday. What happens when you come? Number one, the benefits of rest replaces what has been given out. You see, they say a blind man can't lead a blind man unless they both fall off a cliff. You see, some of you are in survival mold and you're not being replaced. But you only can be replaced with God's strength, love, and encouragement if you come. Billy Graham used to sing the song, Every Crusade, and I worked for him in South Dakota. When I was pastor in Watertown, South Dakota, I helped put together the crusade in, in, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And every night for seven days when we were there in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, he would play that same song, Just As I Am, I Come. And thousands upon thousands of people would come. And guess what? They would come to the altar and they were weeping. They were being restored. They were being replenished with what they were giving out. And they left, man, with joy in their spirit again. You see, the first thing that God does, he replaces that which was given out. You see, what you give out, God pours. Give out, God pours. Give out, God pours. Isn't that great? You ever see a river? When the river is going downstream, what happens? All the debris from the river is going downstream. But if you look at the bottom, it's all new. That's what God does. He replaces what you give out. He takes out the old and brings in the new. I don't know about you, but man, how many like cold water? Especially maybe like right now. Amen. I'm hot. It's getting hot in here. So don't do the rest. Amen. Number two. Look at this. This is so cool. Restores your mind and your thoughts. Why is that? Because where does everything originate from? Your mind. Your thoughts are a seed. Your seed produces the tree. The tree produces the fruit. Your life will follow your thoughts. So if your thoughts are always over here, your life will follow your thoughts. That's why Jesus said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then he says, then you will be able to test that good and perfect will that God has for your life. That's what God says. Then I will put in order your life. You will be able to detest and be able to know and discern what is right for your life. But sometimes we have to rest our mind and God takes your broken focus and he puts it back into focus and he gets your thoughts back on him and when you see how big your God is you realize how little your problems are because God is bigger than your problems he is bigger than all your struggles but if your mind is fixed on your problems you will be overcome instead of an overcomer and God wants to take your little and man, take it and refocus it. And man, when you put that power and focus on God, God will transform your stinking thinking and say, man, hey, wait a minute. I ate my Wheaties today. My Wheaties is Jesus. I'm a champion in Christ. Number three, receive encouragement of his love. You know, every person in here today, every person in here today has a vacuum for love. And if you don't, you're lying. Every one of us want to be loved. How do we show love? We show love by appreciation, by maybe buying a gift. My brother, I'll tell you, we had Christmas this last, yes, the other day when he came. I, I, he, this dude, he's my best friend. Every stinking time he comes, it's like Christmas. Brought me a new pair of Nikes. So, Jeremiah, I'm going to be strutting some Nikes, man. I'll be start doing a moonwalk. You know, he buys me Nikes. He, man, he brought me four, Jeremiah, you're like this, four fishing reels. Four of them. Dioas. 
Real nice one. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe I'll catch a fish now. But you know what? Listen, guys. Quinn, that's what God is. Listen, listen. People, if I can deposit, Jesus says, listen, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts, how much more does your heavenly Father know how to give good gifts to those who love him? Oh, man, he wants to give you good gifts. Carla, the best is yet to come. Keep your head up. Keep looking up. I always say, a bunch of Christians, we should be stuck up. We're a bunch of stuck-up Christians. Not in a bad way, but I'm stuck-up looking up. Because when I look up, I can't see what's going on around me. But when I look up, I can see the results of things changing. Amen? Sends out His presence with you. The other day, I was uh, cleaning out my truck, my old truck. And uh, I came across... CD, and now I know I'm dating myself. My expiration date is dated, and the food, hey, I'm still good, though, amen. I'm like Tupperware. I still got the seal, amen. But I pulled out, I pulled out a CD, and how many of you remember this? Mr. Claude Weather, you probably remember this. Lanny Wolf Trill. Remember Lanny Wolf Trill? And I uh, never heard of it, Amen. I know, I, I know I'm old, man. My, my kid said, Dad, when you pass gas, dust comes out. You know, I know I'm old. Amen. I know, I know, I know, I know. I said that in church. I know. Amen. Lord, forgive me. Amen. But you know what? Here, here's the deal, guys. That song, Lanny Wolf Trio, let me know this song. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Man, I used to play that song over and over again. And my brother is here today. My nieces are here today. When I was going through my drunken stupor, man, I mean to tell you, my sister Marla sat at the foot of my bed. They'll tell you, sat at the foot of my bed. And I sweated out T-shirts, man, everything that I was going through. And I played that song over and over in my head. Lord, if your presence is here, you got to be with me, God, to give me strength. you got to give me the power. you got to give me the ability to stand strong when temptation came my way. That, man, when I went to God, weak when I kneel, but powerful when I rise. When my weakness, he's made strong. That when I left the presence of God, I had the confidence of knowing that everything was going to be okay because if God is for me, who can be against me? And God goes before you. His presence goes with you. And last year, he reminds me, it's going to be okay going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Some of you today need to hear those words. It's going to be okay. Michael, it's going to be okay, man. It's going to be all right. Andy, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right because your Abba Father's in your boat. And when God comes in your boat, the storms are stilled. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Tap somebody on the shoulder and say, it's going to be okay. Come on. Come on. Just tap them on the shoulder. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Lastly, we close. Hebrews 4, 1. Hebrews 4, 1 says, Therefore, since the promise of entering into his rest still stands. It still stands. His word will not return void. 
it still stands for you today. Let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Don't pull out of it. Don't pull out of it. Let me tell you something. Your breakthrough could be tomorrow, but if you let go today, you'll never know. It's going to be okay. Don't what he say? To be found to have fallen short of it. Don't fall out of his rest. Don't fall out of his presence. Don't fall out of his spirit. Man, God, I'm going to stick in there. I have a stay in there attitude. God, if we don't take care of ourselves, time will take care of you. How many of you know this? You ever heard this cliche before? You spend your time to gain wealth. Then you spend your wealth to gain your health. Sometimes that's what we do. Each day, Jesus is with us to restore, strengthen, and encourage us. So how should we come? Number one, humble. Humble. God, here I am. Take off the facade. Stop thinking you got it all together when God knows you don't. I don't have it all together. Admit it. Confess it. When the dad said about the blind man, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. He keeps throwing himself in the fire. Man, he keeps possessed. I don't know what to do. You know what happened? When the man was honest with God, guess what? His son then was healed. Your miracle starts when you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Then he can lift you up. Then your miracle starts when you are open. You see, whatever you have for me, Jesus said, not my will be done, but your will be done. When you're open before God. Your will. Then three, expecting. Some of you need to get up your expecting level again. You need to get your hopes up. Get your hopes up. Get your hopes up. That's another song. Amen. Get your hopes up. But some of you don't have your hopes up. I was with some people some time ago, and I closed. With some people some time ago, and when I was with these people, uh, they were sharing with me their story and what was going on in their lives. And they were going through a lot of pain and a lot of discouragement, a lot of heartaches. Just like maybe some of you. A lot of us follow the yellow brick road. We always follow the same road. And they were telling me all their stuff. And they said, we love God, Pastor. We love God. We really do. And they were expecting these things and so on and so forth. And I looked at them. I said, you know what? I said, your problem is that you don't love God. Your problem is that you don't have the faith. You have faith. I said, here's your problem. And I think this is a lot of your problems. I said to him, your problem is that you have faith, you love God, but your problem is you don't trust God no more. And a lot of you maybe don't trust God because you've been disappointed. You may have been aching and put out a fleece and said, listen, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put this fleece out there, and if it turns wet, then I'm going to trust you. And because these fleece didn't happen the way you thought, you've given up on God and you lost your trust in God. And David said, he said, Solomon said, trust in the Lord with all your heart, but some of you can't. And because you've been disappointed, you've been let down, you've been discouraged, you've lost your trust factor. The main element that moves you towards faith. If you can't have trust, it's not going to grow in your faith. Because if you don't trust somebody, you're not going to follow them. You only follow somebody who you trust. So if you lose that trust factor in your life, guess what happens? Everything else snowballs and falls apart. So maybe it's time we start trusting. And David said in Psalms 5, verse 3, I wait in expectations. I laid my request before the Lord. And I wait in expectations. God. I don't understand it. 
I don't know how. I don't know when. But God, I trust. Will you stand with me to say, God, I trust. Some of you this morning, God wants to raise you up again. I'll tell you today, I, I know I preached hard and long, whatever, but I always look at it this way. I have one shot to hit you. Sometimes I feel like a hit and run pastor because I'll see you on Sunday. Maybe I'll see you next month. So I got to hit you with my best shot and fire away. But what I'm saying today is truth. God came to set the captives free. And that's you. But you have to come. You have to come just as you are. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning, will you? Maybe that's you today. We're not here to embarrass you, shame you, put you down. We're here to lift you up. And you say, Pastor, I need prayer today. I need prayer. If that's you. Let's lift your hand. Just lift your hand. There's hands all over this place. Look at this. All over this place. Wow. We'll count to three. Don't just keep them up. One. Anybody else? Yes, still going up. Still going. Look at this. Two. Still going up. Wow. Still going up. Three. Now you look at me for a moment. I would venture to say there's 50 hands that were raised here right now. Doesn't that tell you there's a lot of needs here? So if you mean business, if you mean business, I want you to step out, those that raised your hand. Come on. Just step out. They're coming. Come on. There's 50 of you. Come on. They don't have to be ashamed. A lot of people saw you. Come on. A lot of God saw you. You don't have to be ashamed. Come on. They're coming. Come on. Give the Lord praise as they're coming. Come on. Come on. They're coming. Come on. Come on. They're coming. Come on. They're coming. What is your name, sweetheart? Blaine. Blaine. Are you with Sarah's niece? God bless you. Oh, that's you. Come here. Oh, honey, God bless you. Oh, God bless you. Yes, you did. You made it. Long story, great success. Oh. I got to Wow. I'm sorry. Come, come move over here, will you? Come on, get everybody. Oh, my. I'm sorry, Blaine. This is a miracle right here. This is a miracle right here. I need some prayer warriors. I want you to step out back. Come on, everybody, come on. God bless you today. Thank you for being here today. God bless you. God bless you. I want you to people, come on. Robin, come on. People, Monty, Chris, Lynn, Brian, Paula, come on, get on out of here. Lizelle, Lizelle, come on, pray with these people. There's a lot of needs up here. Dave and Sherry, come on, I need some people. Tim, get out of here. Patty, come on. We need some people. Gather around these people right now. We need some miracles in the house. We need some miracles in the house. Come on. Right in here, come on. I need some people right in here. Come on. Come on. Dave and Sherry, come right here. People right in here. There's a bunch of them right up in here. Come on. God's in the house today. God is in the house today. Sir, when God's in the house, we can expect a miracle. How many can say amen to that? Amen. We can expect a miracle today. Come on. David Sherry, come on up front right here. But Janet, these people right in here. Come on. Come on. 
Hallelujah. Melissa, Larry, come here. I want you to pray with my friend right here. Come on. This one right here. Come on. You pray with a special one. I can't wait to sit down and talk with you now face to face. God bless you. Come on, Melissa. Is there anyone else today? Anyone else that God wants to touch? They're going to leave your change today. Man, young man, I see you brought your family today. God bless you, man. Single man, working it. You keep working it, buddy. I'm proud of you, man. God bless you. You're the man, Nate. You're the man. Will you extend your hand towards these people? Let's pray over them. Father, I thank you, God, as your word says, that we can come. And Father, as we come, you will meet us right where we're at. In our dry times of life, in our sorrows and our pain and whatever else we go through today, I pray that, God, that you will be the glory and the lifter of their heads right now. From the crowns of their head to the soles of their feet, that you will move within them, that you will respond to them, that you will meet their needs, that they will walk out of here with confidence, assurance, and hope of knowing that, God, you heard them. And not only heard them, but responded to their need today. You never let the righteous be forsaken nor their seed begging for bread. You never give up on us, so may we not give up on you. Your word is yes and amen. Your promises are true. And I pray that, God, you will meet and touch each and every one of these individuals today as they wait, as they rest in you, that you will encourage them, that you will strengthen them, that you will meet their need, whether it be healing, whether it be financial, whether it be physical, whether it be spiritual. God, just meet their needs today. Great is your faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies we find in you. All that you have need of, thy hand has provided. Provide for them today, Lord. We thank you, Father, for the hope and encouragement. Now, God, we give you all the praise and all the glory. And all God's people said this morning, now let's give the Lord praise. Amen. 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 God bless you today, Sarah. This is a new day. A new day. God bless Thank you, you for listening to this Thank week's you. message from Adventure Church. Well, it's finally here, the Adventure Church app. We invite you to download it by searching either Apple App Store or Google Play, or simply text AC Siren app, all one word, to 77977 to get a direct link. You can also check out our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com.